Hello, everyone. This is The Bizzle. No fancy intros or music today because Black Panther deserves special respect. And if you're joining me, I want to get you into the countdown as soon as possible uh, for this amazing movie and cinematic and historical achievement uh, that it is. Um, I just wanted to mention a couple of quick things before we get into the countdown. Um, I do reference the fact that I uh, first uh, lived in Africa in 2003, and it has been a giant part of my life for the last 15 years. I just want to stress that uh, to the extent that I love the continent and the people of the continent over all these years, this movie is a a love letter of the highest order um, to the African people and the people of the African diaspora. The second thing is... I'm rolling solo this time for commentary, a first time in a while, and uh, I certainly get my normal bizzle talking in, but there are definitely parts where I'm, I am watching, so I, I do hope you actually watch this with me, because there are some scenes, you know, between the leads, the dramatic stuff, as great as the action is, as beautiful as the costumes and the dancing and the music, the dramatic scenes between the you know lead five, six, seven, eight actors um, is just top quality stuff i mean it's ryan coogler it's it's what we've come to expect from this brilliant brilliant young director um who has fought against so much to get to this point and is doing it effortlessly um i won't name the whole cast they're all beautiful and brilliant and you will see them so i'm gonna get you right into the countdown i really appreciate you joining me so i'll do this one quickly queue up to the very beginning of whatever file, uh, digital file, or, uh, you know, media, hard media or whatever you're using, Blu-rays, DVDs, digital files, to zero, 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 and I'm going to count down three, two, one, I'm going to say go, and when I say the word go, you should immediately hit play, uh, put on some combination of either or subtitles, a little bit of ambient sound, both, you know, neither, whatever you're feeling to be able to experience the the movie um and enjoy this relatively laid-back podcast from the from the, from the bizzle i was um planning on doing a m- more bigger themes but i get so caught up in the you know in the beauty and brilliance of the movie i get a nice combination of both so as promised quick intro today so again i'm gonna count three to one say go you hit play take a moment now to get your stuff set up pause and come back when you're ready all right, here we go to the countdown. Three, two, one, go. All right, friends, family, strangers, all are welcome. My name is Jesse Brenner, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Welcome to The Bizzle Cast, if you haven't been here before. And this is my commentary of Black Panther. And I love this movie and Africa in general very much. I'm going to talk about that for a while. When I was going to study about it, by the way, guys, I'm going to assume you've seen this movie probably multiple times. I'm definitely going to comment on certain scenes, but I'm not going to do like a full play-by-play like I do in some of my commentaries. Instead, I'm going to tell why this movie is so important, why I was waiting for it so long, why I actually predicted it would be this big, and yet it still ended up bigger than I thought. It was the first big prediction I made on the Bizzlecast over three years ago that this movie would make Avengers money, um, and indeed it did. Um, 
but the effect on this country in terms of positive image building and just awesome new mythos cannot be overstated. So this is very similar, of course, to the beginning of Wonder Woman, uh, when young Diana is being explained about the mythology and history of the Themyscirans and the Zeus and Ares and so forth. Just like this, these two movies go hand in hand. This movie for little boys and girls, Wonder Woman, I would also argue for little boys and girls, but definitely little girls. I only had the vaguest notions when I first heard about this project, but immediately upon researching the Black Panther comics when they announced it was happening and that Chadwick Boseman in late 2014 was announced as uh, my guy Sean Gerber uh, had predicted. Uh, I'm not sure anyone else saw it coming. Chadwick Boseman became Black Panther, welcomed into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and then you could see the seeds of Wakanda in Age of Ultron early 2015. And I just felt like you don't introduce a property like this unless you are going to make it absolutely epic and actually central to what's going on. Because while the Avengers are all fighting each other or, you know, robot murder bots that they created, Wakanda is on a whole other level. So this scene's amazing. Both of these actors are fantastic. Um, Sterling Brown plays the brother of... Uh, King T'Chaka here, who's betraying him, I guess, was unbelievable and unrecognizable compared to this in Marshall, the Thurgood Marshall story last year with Chadwick Boseman and this guy, Sterling Brown, um, in which I was convinced that they were both amazing, but was certainly even more convinced than I had been that Chadwick Boseman was going to nail T'Challa, which we will get to soon. But right here sets up what you think, you think this is the direct setup of just things maybe going a little wrong with Wakanda and them having to get involved in the, you know, real world, the main world, the outside world, the primitive people, of course. Um, on repeat watchings, it seems obvious that this is setting up the Michael B. Jordan story, being in Oakland in particular, where the director Ryan Coogler is from and directed his movie, um, Fruitvale Station, of course, which was acclaimed. I will get back to Ryan Coogler. Here it is. The previous Black Panther, King T'Chaka. He, he of course, was uh, killed in Civil War, which we will revisit. This, of course, this outfit is meant to look old and outdated because the new one has to look fucking cool as shit. I don't know how they could have gotten a more perfect guy to play a John, um, I'm blanking on his name right now, John Kana, I think his name is, from South Africa, who plays King T'Chaka, the father of T'Challa, and in fact, it was that actor who we will see shortly getting blowed up, and then in the dreams of Black Panther, John Kana, I believe it is, um, that suggested they do Kosa, the language of Nelson Mandela and many South Africans, and they ran with it, and I think that was an amazing idea for so many reasons. Many lives were lost to get us this information. Okay, so Ryan Coogler directed this movie. 
if you guys have been listening with me from the beginning, <laughs> when I started doing, you know, end of year lists and stuff, which I should still be doing, haven't done for a while, but at the end of my first full year of um, Bizzle casting, I did a top three lists of just blockbuster movies. Here we see the branding of Wakanda. A lot of world building going on, which is part of like what's throwing you off as to what's really happening. Um, I had uh, like Last Jedi at three, but Ultron was sort of there too. With you know, so I had Ultron at three or four, which was introduction of Wakanda and Andy Serkis at Vibranium. Um, and then my number one was Creed. I beat out The Martian, a movie that I adore and watch all the time. But Creed was easily my number one movie, and I don't think I've seen a you know, hundred million dollar at the box office plus movie sense creed. That is better. So I will fully credit Mr. Sean Gerber from Marvel superhero news for predicting Chadwick Boseman and, and preaching about him once it was confirmed. But I will say by the time I was on the bandwagon, just based on that and reading the comics and seeing where the Marvel cinematic universe was going here, we get the the sci-fi stuff from Wakanda. So beautiful. Um, but, and this was before Ryan Coogler. This was before Michael B. Jordan. This was before Angela Bassett and Forrest. I mean, literally they had Chadwick Boseman and you know, I did a podcast with Matt when the Michael B like we were live when Michael B was announced after all those amazing other actors, Tessa Thompson, um, not Tessa Thompson. She's in Thor as well, which is great from Creed and Stallone is in Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, beautiful Marvel studios logo. Uh, Lupita, excuse me. Lupita wasn't on board yet at that point. Um, and Matt and I, at that point, we said on the podcast live, we, I never break news live. It happened to drop when we were recording our like state of the superhero. And here's the death of the, you know, King T'Chaka that we saw in civil war. Um, but, uh, we were just like, if they can't make this movie good, then no Marvel movie will ever be good. And luckily they killed it. And as great as infinity war is doing, it's still behind black Panther domestically, just like with star Wars. Black Panther was a movie. It's for everybody, but it really spoke to Americans of all colors and ages. And that is one of its many, many, many successes. I'm not going to linger too much on the CGI and special effects because up until the final scene, it's amazing. And this always happens in comic book movies is that it's, you can't do a final scene epic enough unless there's tons of CGI. So you do all the hand-to-hand stuff in the beginning. Now, I have heard people complain this first raid here where he comes out is like, oh, you can't see what's happening but some of these people are Batman people. I'm like, this is when Batman is best. When you don't actually see it, you just hear him kicking ass, grunting and punching guys. Boom. We saw this in the trailer. You're like, what is he throwing it at? He's disabling all the vehicles. Oh, this is so glorious. I love that they do the slow reveal on Black Panther in the movie. It's how they did it in Civil War. And honestly, the best parts of Civil War were Bucky and Cap and then Black Panther in general and Black Panther's eventual short relationship to Zemo, where he basically goes through a moral crisis not to, and decides not to kill him when he wants to and maybe should, depending on your ethics.
so this is, I think, Nigeria. It's very Nigerian, this sort of crazy militancy. Nigeria's a mess. It was important to show, as I said in the podcast with Matt and many podcasts, you had to show both the fact that a lot of Africa is poor and war-torn in real life, and we're ignoring it. There's Lupita, just gorgeous. Um, but also people's perceptions of Africa. There's a difference between this and Captain Phillips. They thought by trying to make us sympathize with one of the pirates in Captain Phillips that it, that would justify everything. But this is what's really happening in Africa, is trading of women and slaves in, in some parts. And that's why they're intervening. That's why Lupita's here. And this is the beginning of her effort to pressure Black Panther, uh, T'Challa, to reach out to the world, which she's already doing. Boom. I mean, the thing is, you watch the fighting in the Dark Knight and Dark Knight Rises, and some of them are brutal briefly, but even though you just know this is CGI Panther the whole time, it's just glorious. And, like, I can't... I can't even defend it against people who are like, it's obviously CGI. I'm just like, yeah, I'm the guy who likes all the Neo stuff in The Matrix Reloaded. Yeah, Panther was going to kill that guy. Trying to save her. By the way, talk about understated love stories. For all the people that complained about Rose kissing Finn at the end of Last Jedi, I could go either way on that. I see why people were upset, but I think it was sweet. But no one complained about the peck at the end of this one. It was more well-earned, even though they spend less time together. This movie beat Last Jedi, which nobody saw coming, except me, even being a Star Wars guy, predicted many months before I thought Black Panther could beat Last Jedi. Because I knew Last Jedi was going to be controversial, and I knew this movie would unite people. Although the extent to which this made money in China and overseas cannot be uh, um, understated. Overstated, excuse me. I'm just watching this beginning. You need to see what most of Africa is like before we see Wakanda. That's super important. Look at that. That's Baba Mal, guys. One of the most important people in my life got me into African music. God, look at the two of them. So beautiful. It's because how they come together, honestly. So. They spend a lot of this movie world building. And... I think one of the reasons people didn't complain about the fact that there's just a lot of time spent introducing the culture um, throughout, it's because people wanted more Themyscira in Wonder Woman. That was the biggest complaint, was like, the end was too long, we wanted to be in Themyscira longer. And while I love all of Wonder Woman and defend the end, I can't disagree when you see something like this. 
Okay, so here it comes, guys. I'll probably put this in the pre-intro. I knew I was going to study abroad, 2003, and I wanted to go to Africa. Initially, I wanted to study music in Mali, which is one of the music meccas, really, of the world, and which started my career in African music. But my buddy ended up studying there, and I ended up studying uh, political, social, and economic development in Botswana, including environmental studies, cultural studies, HIV, so forth. Botswana is very much like Wakanda. It has a ton of diamond wealth, and the government has actually used it mostly to help and feed the people. They don't have made. They have ridiculous AIDS rates, but they have so much money they can literally provide antiretroviral medication for life for all of their small population, and have done so. They're not this advanced technologically, obviously, but and let's put it this way: I wasn't expecting Botswana to be like Wakanda when I decided to go there. Yes, General. Yep, just like Antiope. Here we go. Here we go. This is it. Shuri wins. I mean, everyone loves Nkoye. She's such a badass. But Shuri wins everybody's heart. I mean, there's been tons of articles and papers written about how Shuri's going to be the one to change the world. She's the much younger, much more morally centered, and smarter Tony Stark, who happens to be a young black African woman in Wakanda. <laughs> so, look, you guys know, I have a younger sister. I love and adore her. We have a similar relationship to this. So, like, with Luke and Leia, I'm all brother-sister, you know, Simon and River and Firefly. I just, I mean, Angela Bassett just nails it. Um, you know, Forrest Whitaker, as usual, is somewhat underused in this. I prefer him as Saw Gerrera because he's so great as Saw Gerrera. She's like the Saw Gerrera of this movie in terms of amount of time on screen. And, okay, this is it. Everyone's talking about Donald Glover. Ladies love Donald Glover. Black girls, white girls, all girls, tan girls love Donald Glover. Girls also love Michael B. Jordan. Dudes love Michael B. Jordan. That's the thing. Every, it's like He's like Chris Hemsworth. This is a great look. He's like clearly tried to be in disguise with those glasses and that jacket. Oh, my God. And this is great because even if you don't know anything about this movie, you can tell he's fucking with her. If you've ever seen Michael B. Jordan before. And if you haven't, then you need to get out of your fucking rat hole. Creed is one of the best movies of all time. Mm-hmm. So the question is, does she know? It doesn't matter. I'm just curious. Ooh, vibranium. That's what's fun about vibranium. You never know who knows or has heard about it. I mean, even Bruce Banner called them Wakanada, which... Some people think it's a bad or offensive joke. I think it's hilarious. Again, Joss Whedon having to do the initial setup of Black Panther without much payoff. God bless him. So, 
here's the thing. Up until now, we've had <coughs> Heath Ledger as the Joker and Tom Hiddleston as Loki. There's a comic book villains, you know, that are loved over generations. But it's about halfway through this movie before Michael B. Jordan goes from being just awesome bad guy Michael B. Jordan, shooting and killing people uh, with Andy Serkis, who finally gets to play himself. Oh, it's so good. He's so psychotic in this. It's hilarious. He so deserves this. I mean, to be such a good guy, but to play the really evil white bad guy in a movie about Pan-African empowerment is a great career opportunity. But yeah, and we'll get back to it halfway through. It flips, obviously, with, with Killmonger. I had heard, I, it seemed like he was going to be comp- more complicated than the trailers. So, mixed soundtrack, like with Creed, again, Kugler, Michael B. Jordan. Creed, you had Ludwig Göransson uh, doing the score, who also does the score to this movie. Probably wouldn't have gotten a Marvel job, maybe, this quickly, but Kugler wanted his man. And it's hard to argue with Creed, which is one of the greatest soundtracks of all time, when you combine it with Meek Mill and all the MCs and DJs who are involved in the hip-hop side, including Donald Glover, singing amazingly on the main theme. So brought back Gorenson here, and with Kendrick Lamar, who's, you know, I like a lot, but he's extremely acclaimed in terms of awards and respect, uh, did the beats. And early on, there's a good amount of beats, but as the movie goes on, it gets more and more African mixed with score, which I obviously love. You know, and again, my my time in Africa eventually led me to work in a company working with young African musicians as well as supporting various African causes. This was many years ago. Never could have imagined this. I was on the Okavango Delta in northern Botswana, um, the largest inland delta in the world. It looked just like this, except there were crocodiles and hippos all over the place. So this is it. This is the first out-and-out display of Africa, just straight up African culture. And here's the thing. There's certain things I know when I watch movies, because I know how movies are made. Occasionally, there are things I know because of real life experience. And I can tell you definitively, Ryan Coogler assembled a giant team, almost like the Lucasfilm Star Wars story group of consultants, black, white, African, other, but, but a lot of Africans or people of African descent to do the dance costume and music of Black Panther. And he would be the first one to tell you that. And he has said it in numerous interviews. You know, part of the dynamic and guys, I'm, I'm going to get a little real on this podcast is that there's a mixed relationship, mostly because of the media and political manipulation between black Americans and black Africans. There's, you know, many people who support uh, pan-Africanism, but, you know, Africa is portrayed so horribly in our media and with the history of African-Americans in this country, you know, and they are completely different cultures in different parts of the world for many hundreds of years. So the question is, we call them African-Americans or, you know, black Americans, they're African-Americans, but do we ignore the connection? This is dealing with some really deep shit in this movie for everybody, but certainly the, the black community 
which I could speak to a little bit based on friends and colleagues. Um, but I definitely can speak from the African standpoint. And what I will say is, having been involved in many aspects of African culture, both personally and professionally over many years, including still, when I look at all the major regions of Africa, they're represented in one way or the other. Now, I could point out certain things um, in terms of what's from where, but I don't think it's that important, other than, again, to stress, Kosa, Kosa, the, the language of... Uh, much of South Africa, or a good chunk of South Africa, including Nelson Mandela. I mean, here's the thing. Forrest Whitaker never mails in a performance, ever. You give him nothing, and he turns into gold. Saw Guerrera is a potentially at least seemingly worthless character played by most actors, even good ones. Look at this woman. Look at this casting. Okay, this guy's from Get Out. Everyone loves him. I forget his name. Sorry, sir. I mean, Lupita is so open about loving her African heritage. She must have loved this, you know. And like I said, it's Africans and people of uh, Africans of color. And this actually reminds me of Les Mis. It's like a, a lovely ladies, everyone up in the, uh, you know, the high windowsills and uh, balusters. <laughs> so this is, here's the thing. You do jokes like the first couple of Shuri jokes in Star Wars and you get lynched. In Marvel, everyone loves that. It's no different than Poe and Luke with the lightsaber, honestly, but I, I get it. So we're going to get to it later. One of the most underappreciated parts of this movie is the way in which it says, this is by Africans and African-Americans, for Africans and African-Americans and everyone, but it's by us. So we are going to have the most powerful rival leader be of the ape tribe right here, the gorilla tribe. The most horrible stereotype that doesn't even make any sense because we're, we're all we're all primates. It's like, oh my god, these people are apes. It's like, yeah, we're all apes. But the fact that they embrace it and make jokes about it even is what we call reclamation politically and socially. I don't think this guy was ever going to be bad because I knew Michael B was going to be bad. But he needs to be challenged. Okay, so here's what doesn't make sense. Here's what doesn't make sense. So, because of the plant that we see him eat numerous times, that sucks his power. But from many generations back, that plant had enriched his family's overall strength. And so in order to fight a fair battle, I'm not sure this comes across, he needs to drink this thing, which is very similar to Dune, you know, where they drink the spice stuff before the battle. This guy's already mischievous. I love him. Hanuman. And so, yeah, so, they, so you know, they want to fight fair and square. They want to be the best warriors, even without their super strength. And they use their super strength to defend the kingdom. So the question is, if M'Baku won this fight, fair and square, M'Baku would become Black Panther 
he doesn't have the royal blood, though. So how does that work then? But forget about that. The bigger problem is when Michael B. Jordan as Killmonger challenges and fights him later, Killmonger has the blood through the uncle slash brother of T'Chaka, uncle of T'Challa, so he should actually have to drink the potion. I mean, that's why T'Challa gets his ass kicked, because fucking Killmonger's got the juice in his blood, and, you know, Black Panther, for ritualistic reasons, has to give it up. And the fact that they don't shy away from old-school African hand-to-hand combat, but it's like Gladiator mixed with Creed, look at that, boom. This movie is ingenious. I, I really, I think people are caught up in the spectacle of Infinity War, but when people look back at this movie it, in two, three years, maybe less, they'll realize that this is actually the superior achievement for so many reasons. And even the off-screen reasons, which I'm going to talk about, are all earned because of how brilliant the movie is. Breaks his back, breaks his head. We have to see that T'Challa is both physically vulnerable, also distracted because of the death of his dad. He just had to save um, Lupita. I'm sorry, guys. I, I, I'm... <laughs> oh, shit. They let them get away with borderline R stuff in this movie because of not too much blood. I think this movie should be nominated... I, you know, at the time, I thought I thought Wonder Woman was borderline should be nominated. In retrospect, I don't think so. Logan definitely should have been. Uh, Logan was maybe the best movie last year, honestly. Um, and I'm not sure this will be best picture, but I mean, this is. I always talk about Rogue One, you know, in Star Wars a lot, obviously, but in general, that it feels like Casablanca or Lawrence of Arabia as just a giant sprawling epic that happens to be in the Star Wars universe. That's how I sort of feel about this movie. This is very much in Marvel, as we will see in Infinity War, which came out very shortly after this, but we are in just an original new environment here. And. The stakes don't have to be world-ending, uh, although they are essentially world-ending, to make a big story. I will be honest with you. Um, while I am full support of the fact that there's a lot of like just you know somewhat predictable Marvel Hollywood shots, like we just saw there. I wasn't sure Kugler was going to be able to pull that off or want to, but you you need to because, as he said, he is making this for his eight- or nine-year-old self. So you need a full-on origin story for the kids, just like Wonder Woman, for the little girls, and me, and other smart people, but especially little girls. It's like Ray and Finn. I've come back to origin stories after Wonder Woman. I was really sick of them. Doctor Strange put me over the the edge. But I'm back on board for these great characters. So yeah, I mean, this movie is extremely Dune-like in that there's like constantly weird like drug and dream and prophecy things going on at all times. Um, I, I... generally like this stuff and 
now watching it on TV for the first time, I think this movie's going to be actually more rewatchable than I had expected. Sometimes in the theater, this stuff could, could drag on a little bit when you're seeing the movie a lot. God, Forrest Whitaker's good. Did I mention he never mails it in? But it's all worth it because the dream sequence coming up is just gorgeous. Oh, yeah, I was going to say earlier. So John Kana, the younger T'Chaka, looks really like a younger version of him. It's crazy. Sorry, John Kani. I knew it was something like that. He's from New Brighton, South Africa, born 1942. Amazing in his short role. Here it is in Civil War. Honestly, I, I was already predicting and thinking and hoping that Black Panther would be amazing. And then I saw Civil War and I could not believe how few people seem to see what I saw um, in terms of the fact that Chadwick Boseman just stole everything he was in, even when it was CGI Black Panther. Here we go. It's the Lion King stuff. It's the thing. You got to embrace it. <laughs> the problem isn't that just white people like the Lion King and think that's the, you know, what Africa looks like. It's that everybody does. Everyone likes the Lion King. And it's, you know, other than the talking animals, it's not as far off as it seems. Having lived among many of those animals, I mean, this is the biggest thing. You know, there are no panthers in Africa. <laughs> panthers are North and South American uh Species, they maybe were in Europe at one point, but of all the big cats, panthers are actually not in Africa, which is great. So, part of what I didn't love about Ryan Coogler's first movie, Fruit Fail Station, was an excess of over-sentimentality early on, which he not only eliminated, but flipped completely on its head in Creed, where he went for the opposite approach, to be as understated as possible. So when we get the sentimentality throughout the early part of the movie, I wasn't worried, but I I was getting flashes of Fruitvale Station, which is a movie I really like and was acclaimed, deservedly so, again, with a brilliant performance of Michael B. Jordan. I mean, Ryan Coogler was like 23 then. He's like 29 now. It's crazy. But then they have this conversation. And this is, you know, this is Luke and Obi-Wan or Luke and Yoda. You must kill Vader. No. There is another. By the way, number one desired director to direct a Star Wars movie for me, Ryan Coogler. No question. This guy and the Creed guy? Look at those eyes. Completely different directions. Looks so real. So regal. The thing is, like Odin with Anthony Hopkins, it's, it's like he's damaged from battle. wonder if that's a glass eye. Look how beautiful this is. I mean, the, the fact that they're doing a, a quote-unquote live-action Lion King with Donald Glover and Beyonce in the leads, people are going to shit themselves. 
Lupita, I cannot overstate the role that Lupita has played at Disney. She's an executive producer there. She's on the advisory board at Disney. That is what take the Weinsteins. I don't want to dwell on the fucking Harvey Weinstein too much, but when he attacked her publicly for claiming things that I feel certain she would not lie about, that was it. That was when he was completely excoriated from society. Um, And I hate to bring up that negative example, but it's only because Lupita is so wonderful and so young and talented, far beyond being an actress, and an amazing voice for both. Again, this means being a white person, but with experience in Africa, I know my my African people love Lupita Diago. She's an amazing diplomat. And Queen of Katwe, her movie about the little girl chess champion in the slums of Kenya, is an absolute must-see family movie. That's quite touching. And look at her. Sorry, guys. I should be talking about this. This is her trying to convince him. And what I love is, he's yeah, he, he's engaging her on it. He's never... If ever he seems to be mocking her mildly, it's just playful. He's really taking her seriously. But he he truly believes that they need to... They need to turtle in after what just happened with the terrorist attacks. And it's hard to blame. That's what's great. Between him, Lupita. Yeah. Yep. She's, I mean, she's right, obviously. She wins this debate in the end. And so the question is, how much does Killmonger uh, directly affect his decision making in this area? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If that's what I wanted. Oh my God. More Molly music. Guys, honestly, I produce artists that work with the artists that you're listening to. I'm not shitting you. So, you know, this guy is so clearly a spectacular actor, even playing this sort of simpleton. You know, he takes kind of an obvious and not super compelling turn to the bad guys and he just makes it interesting through pure performance which Kugler knows how to do with his actors right so he also wants to go out but they want to go start a war and this is what I realized about the somewhat slow start to the origin story in this movie on repeat viewings is that they're not actually setting up just the traditional origin elements of the characters and the basis of the story of the movie, but the corruption that is already festering uh, and complacence festering inside Wakanda, uh, even though they have some great leaders at the top, it's very divided below the, uh, you know, uh, priceless surface. Uh, There's claw. So they're always going to South Korea. They go in Ultron. It's great. All right. So in the comics, I believe in some cases, Claw actually, his dad is killed by T'Chaka or one of the Panthers. And then I think he kills T'Chaka, T'Challa's dad. But... I know the first part is true. I don't know about the second part. God, is she good. She's won a Tony, I think, for like her own play. 
Denai Guerrera, who plays Okoye. Sorry, I called her Nakia earlier. Okoye is the head of the Dormalaji, played by Denai Guerrera, Lupita Nakia. Sort of a free agent, which was an awesome role. Because it seemed like she was going to be a love interest. I mean, come on, her Chadwick Boseman, but it would have been a crime to not at least play around like Jin and Cassian. But to have her be kind of rogue in and out the whole time is awesome. But when they need her most, she's there. I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. If I am an eight-year-old boy, okay, of any type, I'm shitting myself because this looks like The Matrix, but way cooler. If I am an eight-year-old person, boy of color or girl of color, this is just spectacular. And what's great about Kendrick Lamar is he's not doing hip-hop beats all the time. He does electronic music, lounge, downbeat, trip-hop. I mean, he's all over, and it's super subtle. But whenever you see the hear those big horns blasting, that's the old Rocky Ludwig Göransson, and I just lost it. Letitia Wright, obviously a rising star. I'm trying to figure out a role that this is com- compared. Uh, I can compare to. I guess Daisy Ridley, because Daisy Ridley was you know, sold her life for seven or eight years to Star Wars. I mean, it's her choice. It was a great choice. She's going to have a harder time. And while it is certain there will be more Black Panther movies, impossible, impossibly. <gasps> Your toes in my lap. Oh, no. Um, there, there very well might be like Shuri and the Dora Milaje shows or movies as well. Oh, looks good. So, you know, I'm always complaining about Iron Man being overpowered, even though I loved Iron Man growing up. But it's like, then they finally show how Black Panther is better than Iron Man. But then Iron Man in Infinity War is like, you know, without vibranium, so superior. I know because it's Robert Downey Jr. and their main guy, Iron Man, Tony Stark. But, it you know, it cheapens everybody else to a certain degree. <laughs> so there's so much royalty talk between the African accents and the very formal, uh, almost like English monarchy talking in the early part, Game of Thrones. You needed Shuri to be completely irreverent. It didn't even have to be funny all the time. It just had to be irreverent and break the tension. And look, if what, what happens up here or she gets him bopped pretty hard, knowingly. You know, if you have a sibling relationship, a good sibling relationship of ed- of any sort, you've either done something like this or thought at some point. Right. And she's <laughs> she's already tricking him about how hard to kick. And maybe she's trying to save him from getting hit even worse. I never considered that. I mean, you could literally listen to her talk about technology all day. And you'd be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We got to get the Shuri Tech Podcast. Talk about the latest Apple news, PlayStation games. <laughs> Boom. 
By the way, his suit looks like African Neo. That, and the cut there is what makes it. That's what you're... You, T'Challa is instantly funny because of the fast cut of his reaction. Brilliant. Brilliant filmmaking by Kugler. Look, I called the Klimo principle because I've been thinking about this a long time. All my movie commentaries, but I didn't... didn't become concrete until my recent Star Wars commentary with Simi Klimo and I realized the secret to filmmaking other than having good actors and a script and all the normal things is knowing how long to linger on a shot and how long to not linger on a shot when to cut quickly and when to hold the camera like when you have Han Solo and Kylo Ren and Kylo's about to kill Han you just keep the camera on those two men's face but it's also about how the shooting style changes from scene to scene. Here they're going to start cutting more like an action movie because they're trying to give you that vibe and that's where it's headed. This woman betrays them, I guess. Marvel does very well in South Korea. I have to think, along with some sort of economic deal, that's why they keep going there. So, I'm not big into James Bond movies. I didn't even really like Canto Bite in the Star Wars because it felt too much like James Bond stuff. But this immediately gets interesting with the introduction of Martin Freeman, who, as I said in my um, full wrap-up review with Matty G uh, for Black Panther, it was a character I didn't think I needed. But... Even though he's a token white character, that is both, despite the fact that he's needed and the reason he's needed is to be the token white guy, who is somewhat smart and capable, kind of a doofus, working for the CIA. But, while I thought a move like that would feel like a compromise, like, okay, we'll throw one white guy in just so the white people have someone to to relate to. But the brilliant thing is the African actors have won everyone over by the time the main battle happens that everyone's just kind of laughing at Martin Freeman for being a goofball, white and black, because everyone's invested in the Wakandans, which was exactly the intent and exactly the result. Well, Kevin Feige, executive producer of the MCU, there's Martin Freeman, is getting very earned praise for Avengers Infinity War. He, in my mind, deserves far more praise for this project from top to bottom, beginning to end. These guys know each other from Civil War. Obviously, Zemo escaped their grasp. So yeah, I mean, for me, the greatest scene in Civil War is T'Challa ready to break Zemo's neck and then witnessing and processing the pointless, pathetic fight between Tony, Bucky, and Cap. And for that reason and other reasons, deciding to have mercy and not kill Zemo. Put him behind bars. Stanley. <laughs> Dude, he was there at the creation of Black Panther. So here's what's great. So... Here he's so he he completely dismisses them essentially until he is forced to go to Wakanda unconscious and get saved by Shuri. That of course changes him. 
it doesn't totally ring true with this character. I think a little bit more of a deft touch with him where he maybe sensed there was more behind the primitive African country. Like when he says it's Wakanda, it's a primitive African country. I don't really buy it, but I get it. I get it. Yep. He's kissing the woman who's selling him out. This is okay. This is great. Everything from Andy circus from now until his death is Gollum, King Kong, Caesar, Ulysses Claw, Snoke. <laughs> so did I Guerrero here? Un- you know, gorgeous African Amazon, super strong, amazing actress. Theater is a theater actress. SoundCloud. Oh yeah, his mixtape. <laughs> There's no way. I guess this is actually where we're, we bought how hapless and kind of dumb the CIA guy is, is thinking that he could dupe Ulysses Claw into anything. Because I think this plan, this this uh, ambush plan was in motion without Panther, because he's not even mentioning Panther. He's massaging the shoulder. Oh, man. Of course, these two are Bilbo and the and Gollum. In the best scene in the original Hobbit, and the only worthwhile scene in the Hobbit prequels. <laughs> oh, this fucking guy! I loved him in Ultron. I, it's a thing. I people who didn't know about Black Panther didn't know what was going on with that part of Ultron. Here we go. But even people who did know didn't want to believe that it was really doing the setting up but boy did it he immediately tries to shoot martin freeman which is great which is probably his plan in the beginning sorry if the sound's bleeding through guys i don't have the best hearing Yeah, I mean, I love how Denai Guerrera and Lupita's fighting styles are are very different. I mean, Guerrera is like a straight up Themyscira warrior. Sorry, General Antiope. And yeah, and Lupita, who's way more compact, fights more like Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow, which makes sense. It's oh, this is great Creed action here. I mean, that's the thing. Oh, look at that jump! That looks seamless. Great cut that was. Oh. Um, you know, most people love the airport battle in Civil War. No way, dude. The the initial battle in the streets of the people chasing the people chasing the people chasing Bucky with Panther and Cap is the best. No question. No question. He's totally bonkers. I love it. And by the way, the the the, the focus on Andy Circus being psychotic and being the center of attention is important early to at least temporarily distract from Killmonger being the real villain. And to show how devious Killmonger is, actually. Here we go. 
this is I mean, this is the coolest thing from since the Matrix, and this is exactly how the Matrix would work in the real world. And she gets to drive a fancy car. Oh man, this is great. Here we go. <laughs> yep, this is it. This is the you know this is the the Jetta moment in Rogue One. This is the you know Chewie and Han back to the Millennium Falcon and Force Awakens. This is the Helicarrier in Avengers. If you are not in it by this point, I don't know why why you're at the movies. Look at this. This looks amazing. So here comes uh, like Kwaito, which is sort of dirty South African hip hop mixed with um, like house or techno music. But you got African drumming. I mean, this is exactly what the, um, I'm blanking on the main producer, the main hip-hop producer with uh, Ludwig Gorenson did, mixing score and soundtrack in Creed. And completely different results. I mean, you know, again, I'm not going to talk about the CGI. It's because, you know, I'm that guy that thinks this looks cool and I know it's fake and I don't care because it looks fucking cool. So that's all I got to say. <laughs> So primitive. I wonder if, you know, it's like Obi-Wan calling the blaster so uncivilized in episode two. Just drive. God. Deny Guerrera. Such a BA. <laughs> Here come the magnetic shoes. Oh, man. It's important to show your heroes having fun on missions early on in all these movies, both to humanize them and make you like them, but also to show that they're a little overconfident, which of course is what's happening. I mean, I'm not sure what they could have done differently in this movie. Uh, But yeah, South Korea, uh, Seoul, South Korea, and Atlanta, Georgia are like the two main... Okay. Look at this. This slow motion with the cars flipping and the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da is a perfect blend of the Creed, Rocky, Ludwig Gorton horn music, but it sounds exactly like when Neo or Morpheus does some crazy shit in The Matrix Reloaded with the horns. I mean, look, guys, I'm not going to push it so much. You know I love The Matrix and The Matrix Reloaded. Matrix Revolution is not so much. <laughs> there is no question in this scene in particular, but throughout the movie, but especially this chase scene, there is some major Wachowski stuff going on. It is conscious. Ryan Coogler knows what's good, and God bless him. <laughs> Look at the way that was, that was shot like a 70s movie. Spear in the trunk. Yeah, it's like Thor's hammer. What's great about this movie, they could tell their own story and set their own power levels. Certainly makes you buy that they could put up a good fight against Thanos in, in Infinity War. Oh, man. Brother! Thing is, I'm the older brother. I'm the mischievous one. I'm the one who dreams of great adventures. And my sister's, like, actually teaching the most troubled kids in the city i mean i teach too but she's really 
a superhero. But I always dream of us having crazy adventures. We've had some good ones. Africa, Ireland. Here we go. So yeah, the absorption mechanic uh, of the Black Panther, new Black Panther suit, Mark II or whatever you want to call it, is what sets it apart from Iron Man, and they did not utilize that at all in Infinity War, which I don't understand why. Look how crazy he is. Now, thing is, he's already saved Zemo at this point. Even though Zemo killed his dad. So, yeah, they're playing that for tension. There's no way T'Challa was going to murder him. If he didn't murder Zemo, (laughs) he literally killed his father in front of him. Hello. This is great. This is this is one of the best dark comedy scenes you will ever get in uh, like any kind of comic book movie or movie like this. I mean, this looks like Tarantino shit. <laughs> yeah, good cut, bad cut. This is a definitive homage to these Dark Knight. That's exactly the way that the line should have been delivered. I'm going to be nice to you, but we're taking him and you're not stopping us. Uh oh. Uh, <laughs> Okoye is going to impale this guy to the desk. <laughs> Ooh. I will say, he does give them the role of bad cop, so, you know, he's kind of asking for it. It's called diplomacy. This guy's such a dick. The thing is, though, his dad, Everett Ross, um, or whatever, General Ross, played by William Hurt, the most lethargic actor ever, is even more of a prick. Oh, my God. (laughs) I wonder if this was conscious. I wonder if they decided that ahead of time. An old mining tool. I'm just going to let the scene play out for a minute. Right, shepherds, textiles, he thinks it's just primitive. This is total Uncharted stuff. Like, oh, we thought El Dorado was on this continent, but it's on this continent. I think he's being figurative, but he's too insane to tell even himself if he really believes that's El Dorado. Again, like the spice in Dune. Now, Black Panther was created around the time of Dune, so I can't actually credit... Yeah. I mean, Spice is also ingested. 
Yeah, the thing is, he's just totally nuts. But he is also nuts because he realizes an obvious truth that nobody else sees. And there are many definitions of insanity. Believing that your reality nobody else shares might be one of them. He's not totally wrong, but the level to which it drives him crazy is, is really interesting. Did they even try to make the arm look real before it was activated? Okay, so they've been hiding Michael B. Jordan from us. But it's important that he come back right when the plan is being actually hatched. So, question is, did they have a suspicion that the Wakandans would come after this vibranium all along? We're never really told. I like that. I also like that he lets her look at the monitor. Doesn't even question it. What's great is, though, as much of a dick as Martin Freeman is to them, and they have to save his fucking life, they never hold it against him. They only get annoyed because he's not operating fast enough. That was the shot in the trailer that sold me on this movie, and I love they kept it in. Him just wearing the mask because he thinks it's cool. Look at that mask. Yeah, it's like Winter Soldier stuff. Automatic weapons. People getting killed. So it was important it was a total surprise attack. This is great. Because that Cap dives on a grenade that he thinks is live during training in the first Captain America movie. That was definitely a nod. That's the thing. I mean, I got into Marvel because I saw a Captain America movie, The Winter Soldier, that made me love a character so much I never thought I'd even care about Captain America, my favorite superhero on screen. And because I love and have been involved with Africa for so long, and when I found out they were doing Black Panther for real all the way, Oh, I forgot. Yeah, it's not an accident. He actually takes a bullet for her. Yeah. So we're exactly an hour in the movie, and we've moved towards the other side of the fulcrum. The speed with which this movie flips from them in control to them losing their kingdom to an outsider is so fast. It's really fascinating. Uh oh, here come the tensions. Why? They let a lot of other people die. I guess he has done him some favors, and he did take a bullet for his woman. I guess that's the main thing, or the woman he wants. That's what's great. Here's, here's, 
here's why the love story here works way better than the Finn Rose because T'Challa doesn't lose any of his masculinity by making his feelings known and letting the woman come to him on her own volition. It actually makes it more masculine and the relationship more believable. With, with Rose, and guys, I love Kelly Marie Tran as Rose, but she was just constantly trying to fix Finn because he was out of character. It's hard, to, so I haven't seen Get Out. I've seen parts of it, I think, on TV. I haven't watched the whole thing. But this guy is so intense. You need these side characters who are like veteran acclaimed actors to just take basic material that's needed to move things in certain directions and do it. And the circus is particularly out of his mind, but the role is similar um, from a structural standpoint and filling in the universe, opening up the plot, getting things moving, giving personality. I wonder if this was in it from the beginning that we would see very little of Michael B. Jordan until now, and then he would suddenly turn on all of them. Yeah, I think that was the, you know. They really wanted us to love the final hour and change with Michael B. and not overexpose him early on. Not because he can't act his fucking ass off, but because they know what they're doing. And the less we see a villain, it's like the Joker, right? He's scariest when we can't see him or hear him. This is filmed awesome. You know, this is like Sicario or something like that. Traffic. He's a killer. Savage. It looks just like Gollum there. Look at that face. I mean, the Gollum face comes straight from Andy Circus. He looked just like Gollum. I mean, he has like a thousand and a half tattoos. He's got like 1,500 kills. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... I definitely predicted the general success and awesomeness of Black Panther, but not the specifics, even though I knew Michael B. Jordan would be great. I, I felt for sure he'd be Wakandan, and he, I mean, he says in the trailer, you know, I'm going to burn it down, it's my time, or whatever, and we see them getting ready to fight. So you just knew he was going to challenge, and so you felt like he had to have some kind of superpower or connection to Black Panther, or, you know, and then where did the suit come from? They had to spoil that. That, that shot, they needed to spoil that shot. It was a little late in the movie of a shot you would normally want to spoil, where you see Panther versus Panther, but that's what ultimately got people talking, in addition to just a general movie. So this is great. This way get Forrest Whitaker. This guy who just seems like you know a simple, wise, lovely, religious leader, spiritual leader, now has to tell this relatively young king, the truth about his dad, which shouldn't be his responsibility. It should be his dad's, but he 
as you as you Bizzlecast listeners know, Simi Klima, who's done a bunch of Star Wars podcasts with me, is a huge, huge fan. Oh, I was going to say a Forrest Whitaker. I'm a huge fan of both of these guys. I made some comments in a recent podcast about this being kind of a team-up movie with Black Panther in the lead, but I don't want to be the, that to be misconstrued. I love Bozeman. I loved him in Civil War. I love him in this. I love him in Infinity War. He's perfect. Yep, that's him. Young Forrest Whitaker. I even forgot it this time. I forget it every time that that's actually him. I mean, look what Ryan Coogler did. He didn't just avoid the connection between Black Panther, the comic, and the Black Panther's radical movement based out of Oakland. He starts the movie with the radical organization in Oakland in the 90s, the Black Panthers. He goes right at it, just like the race talk in Creed, which was not much, but very direct. Ryan Coogler can talk about race in a way no one other than you know, Jordan Peele, I guess, with Get Out and other things, and a couple other people can. Oh, he drew the weapon, then he kills him. I mean, you just have to, at this moment, you have to buy that King T'Chaka has known for a long time and has been simmering in his gut. Because otherwise, just murdering him there doesn't make total sense. Right, he sp- he spins it as saving his life. I mean, it's like Shakespeare, dude. You gotta go all the way. But... I mean, he has to try and sell 80% of the complexity of Diana Prince with way less time. I mean, we really get to see Diana Prince and Wonder Woman become truly three-dimensional and relatively early on. Here they do it through Shuri, and then, of course, through Michael B. Jordan. So this was his plan the whole time, was to get Vibranium, cause a big thing, and then kill him, and then bring his body here? Not totally clear. Or maybe he was just getting on the trail, volunteered for Claw. Here comes the lip thing, probably. Up oh, there, her gloves, we're going to see her gauntlets we see later. Hell yeah. Man, is she regal. Man, is he goofy. Look, guys, we wouldn't have John Krasinski, a.k.a. Jim Halper, on The Office without this guy who played Tim on the original Office and who Jim 
Halpert is not only based, but John Krasinski has openly admitted, imitated, did it, you know, American imitation of this man for the American office. God bless him. Sherlock, The Hobbit, tons of stuff. He actually makes it The Hobbit bearable. Otherwise annoying writing. <laughs> Colonizer. Right. Okay. So here comes guys. Here comes the here comes the heady bizzle stuff. So I have talked uh, over and over about how this movie and the story in this movie is a direct inverse parallel to the Heart of Darkness story, where a white colonizer gets thrown into the middle of Africa and sees horribly barbaric stuff happen, mostly to Africans by other colonizers and grows mad. Basically Uh, that was the apocalypse. Now story apocalypse. Now the movie is based specifically as a Vietnam, Vietnam war interpretation of the heart of darkness. But here the guy goes to the heart of what he thinks is darkness and primitiveness only to realize very quickly that he is the primitive one and he's immediately asking questions which shows that he's smart yet another reason why his supposed dad who we never see together ross william hurt was like so anti-avengers when the world was ending and infinity war made no sense whatever that outfit is amazing i'm sure we'll see cosplay Yeah, she doesn't realize how how serious the situation is. Oh, Ross knows who he is. Yeah. He says he's one of ours. He was, used to be one of ours. He went rogue. Okay, so from this point in the movie until basically the end, there's a number of ways you can interpret the actions or lack of actions taken by T'Challa. This is so great. I'm sorry. These two are amazing. It's the thing. Don't force the love story. Put two awesome, beautiful people together, and if it clicks, it clicks. Oh, I mean, she, Lupita looks like a queen, and you know, like with Ray, she also looks like an every woman at the same time as being incredibly majestic. Sherry. Okay, so here it is. So now he's heard about his dad. He's starting to feel bad. You know, I think 
his performance coming up in the fight is already suffering. Because he's thinking, if my dad had just figured out a way to adopt this kid, we would not be in this situation. Or at least it would be within their borders that they would duke it out. Now, when we get closer to Killmonger expressing himself and his ideology, I'm going to be talking about things like colonial mentality and so forth. So hopefully you guys are okay with that. Um, but Fela Kuti, the great Nigerian rock star, put it best, colonial mentality. It's the... It's African to one power in Africa but for the reasons that their oppressors wanted power, which makes it doubly sad. There's, there's no way to downplay how important it was to have a fully black American fierce in Wakanda. It didn't have to be a bad guy, but it, man, I don't know how better to introduce it. I want the throne. Here's what I like. None of them take him seriously until he has it. T'Challa is already taking him 100% seriously. So, first of of T'Challa's choices was, I'll see this guy. And I'll let him actually talk. Second is to immediately accept the challenge. Yeah, the weapons. So they have an ideological argument and then they challenge each other to a fight and they fight. Mm. (laughs) He's not wrong. We are from Africa. Adonis Creed is extremely lovable, but he does have a dark side and a temper. And he basically channels that occasional dark side temper of Creed into a full-on character performance. Good on Michael Bay. Although I guess a lot of these folks, a lot of these actors had to learn how to speak African. By the way, it says in Kosa and in the subtitles, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, if I didn't know he was the get out guy, I would be like, okay, this guy. I mean, this is all so rash on all sides. T'Challa would be well advised to at least postpone this a little bit. Michael B's character, a thousand percent sold to performance. I mean, the writing is is good. It's fine. But it's, it's it's full charisma. 
But that sadness in T'Challa's eyes there, I mean, every time I watch Bozeman, it's like a different performance. He's he's a master. There's this look of sadness, almost like, here's the thing. My interpretation, the deep interpretation, or one deep interpretation, is that he actually wants to lose this at some level. He feels responsible. He's full of guilt. He's full of confusion. He's not sure this kid is wrong about Wakanda's power after what he's seen. I think the point isn't just that he gets his ass kicked. It's that he's, you know, like when Vader starts to fall to Luke because Vader's heart is starting to turn. And so he weakens in that fight. But all that being said... This being sold great dramatically. It's a great fight. Super Hollywood staging. Um, People coming in and out at the right time, you know. Look at this. Why doesn't Killmonger have to drink the stuff? Because he must have some of the royal blood at least. This is not a fair fight. He is younger and he's got the superpowers. He didn't take the anti-superpower serum, as far as I can tell. Here it is. They cut this up with the hip-hop in the trailer. Mm-hmm. What's great about this soundtrack, though, is just when you think you're going to be settling in for hip-hop for a while, it goes to African orchestral or both. That's a lot of kills. That's actually hard to... I mean, he's a mass murderer serial killer. So I said that there's a sadness in T'Challa's eyes, which informs his poor performance. It informs him being irrational and immediately accepting this when they should discuss it with the council or so forth, at least. Um, but it's two panthers and one is just super underpowered. The other part of me thinks that T'Challa thinks he's going to win this and put this kid out of his misery. Part of me would like to believe that at least part of him feels that way, to be honest with you. To have some confidence in the moment of actual physical conflict. Right, he doesn't finish him there, though. Oh, there comes a da-da-da-da-da-da. That's the Gorenson Creed Rocky music, baby. And at the end, again, when he does finally kill Killmonger, spoiler alert, there's a look of sadness but acceptance. Very similar to what we see here, but at that point more confident in his abilities and in his decision. I mean, you know, part of me's like, they're really going to do the fugitive thing? He fell off the waterfall, he must be dead. Thing is, if you have superpowered royal blood, I don't see how this is fair. Up oh, here's Saw, Uncle Saw getting killed again. God, he's got such a good look and delivery. Oh, he takes him too. Yeah, this of course follows his behavior at the airport.
I mean, look. I understand people who say they sympathize a lot with Killmonger, but the reality is all of the good in what he says, which is maybe like 40% at most, is already being said better by Lupita's character. It shouldn't have to come to this guy. Most of what he wants is colonial mentality where he's going to out-imperialize the imperialists. But knowing what the continent people of Africa have gone through for about a thousand years, all told, in this process, it's hard, and Wakanda's technology, it's hard to fully disagree. And that's where the, you know, Kamunger becomes a relatable villain, like Loki, but for totally different reasons. Here we go. There's a Creed music off the side, boom. Yeah, that's, I don't know if they needed that shot. They should have just not shown him. Nah, I'm your king. <sighs> Want to come at the best? You best come hard. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, to me, the, the the most interesting sort of overall theme in terms of like the culture and the country is the extent to which it's so vulnerable to something like this in the modern world. And it thinks it's, you know, removed and safe. And that's ultimately, it's true. I mean, it takes someone who wants to do some of what, um, what Lupita wants. I guess the militancy finally gets Panther's attention. Yep. Yeah. That's the flaw. That's the only flaw? The only flaw is Bozeman, in his face, looks a little bit wiser than T'Challa is for the first part of this movie, but he plays it great. And that's going to make him one of the longest-lasting, I believe, Marvel uh, main characters. Look at these two actresses. I mean, they have trophies up to their heads, both of these two. And these these are the moments that make the, the movies for me. These conversations. And this is the complicated argument and split and debate. Oh, wow. Not only do not all Africans look the same, but they have different points of view as well. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not trying to make light of it, but, you know, it's baby steps, I guess, for some people. I'm fortunate to have been exposed to it, I know. I know I'm I'm lucky to have even had the chance to interact with with, with the continent um, to such an extent. And people ask me a lot, they're like, does Wakanda feel like... Africa, you know, like if it was like, you know, super rich and had all the best technology, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, kind of does. That's, like I said, with Botswana. It kind of feels that way. This is all Disney fairy tale stuff. I mean, just compare Black Panther to Wrinkle in Time in terms of cultural impact, people and directors of color. I really love Ava DuVernay as a personality, but. 
let's put it this way. I would have been thrilled for DuVernay to direct this movie. She would have be top of my list. But when Coogler got it, I was like, that's it. I mean, he is way out of his comfort zone. This, these are not the types of scenes and themes and melodramatic moments that he's used to filming. You know, the difference with Fruitvale is Fruitvale was very understated, and so when it got a little sappy, it fell out of place with the overall tone, was the problem early on. The climax of that movie is so extremely disturbing and, and brilliant. But this is more the, you know, epic Disney fairy tale Marvel moments. But it's like I said, it's all about lingering on shots for just the right amount of time before people get a chance to truly process it. And then they're on, you're on to the next thing. You never want people to start thinking too much about a shot. If they're thinking about a shot being a shot, you've already lost them, at least for the moment. Hope you guys are taking notes out there. This is great. Yeah, I mean, it's little things. Like, I wish they would do the covering of them, you know, like more quickly. Like, we get it. You're covering them and stuff. But, you know, when you're doing world building, you know, and this is, you know, in terms of Marvel, it's like going to an alien planet, you know, for the Avengers and for a lot of people in the real world. I don't know what the text is based on. It looks like hieroglyphics. Um, and the fact that they both have a father meeting, but so different, and it's... I mean, this is where he died. We don't see T'Chaka where he died, which was Austria? Belgium? Look at this guy. Dude. I mean, I know he's in like one of the most acclaimed television shows, so I don't need to go on. But he... There is something in his eyes... So, if you guys haven't seen the Marshall movie, Thurgood Marshall, obviously the first black Supreme Court justice, an amazing man, one of the first lawyers in the NAACP, he wasn't even allowed to argue his own cases because he was black and it was the 40s, so he had to get a guy to do an early case where he was defending this man, Sterling Brown, for a rape that was not a rape against a white woman, which, you know, is instant death. I mean, even today, but definitely back then, without a fair trial. But he ends up not telling the full truth. It isn't a rape. It's consensual, but not in the way that he initially tells them. So he has both that innocence and that mystery in his eyes. Michael B. can cry on command. We've seen that in every, every movie, television show. He's been able to do that since he's a kid. I mean, I don't know a better actor than Michael B. Jordan at his age, in, in my opinion. Um... For, for for men. I mean, he's working on yet another Kugler project. They're always going to work together. It's like how Scorsese's become with Leo. Which, by the way, I respect. I never ever in my life thought I would not only come to respect, but even like Leonardo DiCaprio. Martin Scorsese has completely changed that. For that alone, he's a legend. So this is the moment. He's actually somewhat at peace with himself on the outside, but he's burning on the inside from what happened with his dad. 
And this is it. I mean, the, the main problem with this movie, in terms of Killmonger, is we've only had about 10 to 15 minutes where we're sympathizing with him. He goes from total psycho to, oh my God, this guy might have a point, but to burn it all. And then... So while I love Michael P. Jordan and I love the performance up until this point, um, I didn't fully buy it as all-time great until the very end, his interactions with T'Challa. Look at this. Upside-down camera. This is like fucking... (laughs) Notorious B.I.G. shit. You know, it's like Tupac walking in the room. (laughs) Seamless mix of Western or Northern African music with the hip-hop, as the kids say. Nope, it's the Iron Throne. Here we go. This is it, though. Yeah, you know what? This is... I'm sorry. It doesn't take till the end. This is it. What he's describing is the definition of colonial mentality. He's going to say, because they did it to us, we're going to do it to them. Thing is, his character politically is set up perfectly for this, you know, both conclusion and trying to take these steps. If he's killed that many people. This, of course, is mirrored in reverse by T'Challa speaking to the UN. Yep, that's it. That is exactly colonial mentality. Colonial mentality. Colonial. Fella good too. I will say there's a lot of single shots or like two side character shots. Um, He doesn't pull out He's shooting at medium range, actually, which is interesting. No, you see a lot more close-up and shaky cam and Creed, obviously. I hope in future movies they'll let him, you know, do his, his Creed thing a little bit more. Not that they were clamping down, but, you know, when you get a certain script and a certain vision. But here the camera is super dynamic. You know, it's handheld. They're not rubbing in your face. The women are having the talk. They're, of course, the smart ones, as they are in real life. Sorry, men. We are a bunch of dummies. Yeah, she says I'm a spy with no army, but her, her profession as a spy is secondary to all the things she's accomplishing. I mean, I think she should have just said, I'm a soldier with no army. I mean, there's so much green screen in this movie. I mean, this is just tons of green screen. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Africans and African Americans making this movie. (laughs) Being like, sure, in the comics, it's a slightly racist character called the Man-Ape. 
but we're going to turn him into like an amazing king of a tribe whose totem happens to be a gorilla. And we're going to chant at you, colonialists, because that's what you expect us to do. We're just trying to scare you shitless, as he does numerous times here, hilariously. But this was a scene I was worried would not be interpreted correctly by some people. Yeah, he's right. He's right. He's right through this whole thing, other than saying he's not going to help and then helping. Here we go. Here we go. I couldn't believe this in the theater. I mean, I don't want to even go into the racial connotations done in any other hands. (laughs) White people get this joke wrong up here, by the way. He says we're vegetarians. A lot of white people think that's the joke. Like, oh, they're actually vegetarians. But he's laughing about the whole thing because he's saying, obviously, we're not vegetarians. Idiots. Sorry. That's what's going on here. Okay, so this is the last one. It's going to restore Black Panther. And then what? Here's the thing. Even though it's Africa and Black Panther, it's totally Aryan bloodline shit, (laughs) which I normally get sick of. Even though I love Tolkien and I get why Game of Thrones is popular. And that's what's going on here. You know, like, just the royal bloodline fade, like the men of of Numenor and Lord of the Rings, without their special powers. It's interesting to think whether they're really trying to create a, a, not just a, like, a revolution of the moment, but like a historical revolution for this nation. Yeah, I mean, look guys, this movie is amazing. It's an A movie, no doubt. Characters in the writing and the acting are incredible, but I'm, you know I'm a second movie guy, and I think when they don't have to do all the origin and setting up in the second movie, and they're just kicking ass around the world, basically like being the Avengers, but better than the Avengers, or the, the Wakanda Avengers, it's going to be awesome. I mean, Shuri almost saved the mind gem. She might be able to bring um, Vision back to life. I'm just, I'm so happy that people were cool with this, this tribal stuff. Yep, they're burying it again, burying it again. The thing I'm really glad I didn't hear more of from white people who saw this, even if they didn't love it, I I rarely heard someone say something like, oh, that movie, it just it wasn't for me. It wasn't made for me. Maybe they're thinking it, but luckily I didn't hear it that much. I think people got what was going on. Now it's looking more realistic, the uh, savannah. 
dad you guys i can't even tell you how beautiful africa is it really it looks it looks like this honestly i mean not quite as rainbowy but everything else is the same the savannah yep i i love that they can talk this out I think that's the lesson that's lost on people is it's not that Killmonger unintentionally inspires him to want to embrace the world. It's he realizes that one of the reasons he needs to embrace the world is to prevent or contain people like Killmonger. Yeah, it's all a little over the top. I never noticed it before, honestly. Uh, uh, that's the thing that's the thing between Denai Guerrero Lupita Leticia Ray Asheri and, and Bozeman one of the four of them flashes like a mischievous playful smile at any point it just immediately neutralizes the tension yep here's where he starts to be useful finally The Great Mound, right? So that's where the asteroid hit, I guess. Um, by the way, I should be said, along with my prediction that Black Panther would be insanely successful, I, I also predicted, I thought the orange soul gem might be in Wakanda, but as it got closer, it seemed less likely, and also I was hoping it wasn't, because they already have vibranium, and being awesome, they didn't need the, the gem, too. It made more sense they were trying to protect Vision and be like a last stand against Thanos incredibly brave again jewelry so important especially when it's the actually the black panther suit ah the brother sister stuff yeah wakanda forever what's great is the wakanda forever cheer it hasn't even become a like it's a little cheesy, but we love it, so we're going to say a cheer. It's like, nope, people just love it. People just say Wakanda forever all the time. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> M'Baku is so good. They definitely added him late to Infinity War. <laughs> M'Baku. What a cool name. So they have this whole chat, and M'Baku's not swayed, and then he shows up. It's like the writers of Rowan. You got to do it. That's how these movies work. But he also wants to, he does want to teach T'Challa humility here. He said, you know, you saved my life, I saved yours, we're even. And he's going to protect his family. Sorry about my cat. <laughs> so they either discovered this guy or he was a theater actor because he has extremely few film credits. And he's so, so great. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. He's got to unite the clans. We must unite the clans. I actually think, yeah, the, the sort of Braveheart-ish moments are, are some of the best in the movie. Wish there was a little bit more. Not wrong. Need to know basis. Look, let's just put it this way. Any shortcomings in the script writing at a few moments? Honestly, because of the actors and the delivery, but especially because they make sense, the things they're saying, it's, it's you know, it's like, it just works. Because generally, even the people you disagree with like have a point with what they're saying. I know that seems basic, but to do it f- for all your major characters across a movie where it's, it's logical, even when people are acting like people and irrationally, that's the key to writing. But I think Black Panther 2 is going to be like, um, God, what to compare it to? I just wish it could be rated R. I mean, this movie's basically rated R. Oh, that always catches me by surprise. Yay! Alright. The uprising begins. So, look, the final battle is super fun. It's African. You know, tribesmen mixed with superheroes, mixed with future technology, mixed with rhinoceroses that look fake but awesome. You can check out my Nova Stream podcast with Brittany a few months ago. We talked about visual effects. I, I am very clear. If it looks fucking cool, I will fucking love it. Here it is. I, I never yielded. <laughs> right. Now he doesn't want to fight. Now, again, T'Challa, in the final fight, doesn't take that the anti-superpower serum. So he's fighting as Black Panther, which is what he should have been doing in the first place against this guy. These two having a romance was both not totally believable and not necessary, but who cares? I mean, here's the problem. It's like, Disney is so accentuating female empowerment, and goddamn, I love it. But, there are some people who are not taking kindly to it. Let's just put it that way. And sometimes, well, I guess with Infinity War, that was mostly about the dudes, so that's part of the reason Infinity War is making so much money, is it's it's a lot of b- boys and, and young men seeing the movie multiple times. That's cool. I mean, it's almost prequel-ish, right? With the Gungans, but it looks cooler. So, I mean, look. It's it's Neo. You know, you just you just gotta gotta roll with it. 
this is the Braveheart stuff. That's awesome. The just straight up mosh pitting. Uh, of course, we'll see them have to fight Thanos' army in a similar way. Although here they don't have spears that shoot. There, there they shoot. Cool. Yeah, this makes no sense. Okay, so here's the thing about the final battle in Black Panther 1. First of all, major props for having the balls to try and do this. To not only do a Vikings Braveheart-style fight, but in Africa with African stuff. But rhinos. It's clear CGI rhinos in bright daylight. And this is the coolest part of the whole thing, is the way they use technology and movement here to work together, and how they set it up that they have to work together. Sure, he can't be everywhere. She has to trust him, and she doesn't hesitate. And that's the beautiful moment, is there doesn't need to be like, you're okay for a white guy kind of moment, you know? I mean, she just says it without having to say it. We're counting on you, says Nakia. I love it. Okay, so... The hand-to-hand combat is amazing in this scene. And the fact that they keep turning the panther masks on and off really helps sell what are otherwise... Oh, shit, I forgot that. Yeah, he had to murder someone. Okay, so in the comics recently... There are two Dormalaji that are similar to Okoye and Nakia. I don't know if they're them by name. It's been a couple years. But either they're lovers or one of them has a female lover. I would have been fine with them stressing a little bit more here, just like with Themyscira. But hey, he was a pilot. I mean, you know. This makes sense. Right, so the hand-to-hand stuff's great. The ride is hilarious and fun. These women are amazing. But the only fight that matters in terms of power are the panther versus panther. And I will say it now before it even happens. You, again, you guys probably know me well enough by now, and if you don't, I will say it once more. Like this with the rhino, if it looks cool and kinetic and isn't herky-jerky and it's smooth and the textures are cool and the action is cool, like we just saw with him in the rhino, I'm, I'm all in and, you know, that's just a decision you have to make. It's like CGI Tarkin in Rogue One. I love it. There it is, Wakanda Forever. It's interesting he wants Shuri. I guess it's because he knows that's the person that Panther cares most about. Her weapon is a stun weapon, of course. She's not a killer. Although, I mean, she should have been out there like the Scarlet Witch in Infinity War. So, I've talked before. We'll get back to the Panther vs. Panther. Um... So it occurs to me, guys, because I did take a break and listen to this, that I've talked less in this one than most. It's used, I'm just transfixed because I haven't seen this since the theater, and I didn't see it that many times. Um, so I hope you've been enjoying it. Um, the fact that these three get to fight is amazing. Uh, what I was going to say was, as I mentioned in a recent podcast or two, 
Kevin Feige and Marvel really has learned how to let movies be their own movies and do a tiny bit of setting up without it being explicit the way the Avengers movies were kind of forced to. To the point where so many people saw Black Panther. I mean, right now more people have seen Black Panther. Well, let's put it this way. Black Panther's currently ahead domestically of Infinity War. That could change. It doesn't look like it's going to, or it'll be neck and neck. So basically, Black Panther led directly oh there it is finally the energy blast i've been waiting for that i don't know why he couldn't use that in infinity war boom here it goes okay so this is you know neo smith stuff i mean this looks like zion this is not a coincidence guys this is exactly the blue with the long walkways of zion it's so organic even with the stone compared to all the the construction outside so this is just the best video game out there. I mean, this is what you with the most money and the best renders. And I actually think if so if you play video games, you obviously can spot more and more of the CGI, but for me it helps me understand and like it. This is great. Cuz it's like uh you know, when Neo jumps out of the way and Smith gets hit by the train. Also reminiscent of Speed. You know, the movie that famously everyone thought ended when the ever got off the bus and they were like kind of holding each other and then there's an extended scene in, uh, with uh, Dennis Hopper in the, in the subway. It's, God, again, it's going to be hard to talk. So, right, divide and conquer. I mean, that's colonial mentality, divide and conquer. Exactly. You've become them. That's exactly what this discussion is. The fact that people have never been exposed to these ideas and these people to even get a taste of this real debate is so important. Right, that's exactly right. It's like Vader being like, if you will not turn to the dark side, perhaps she will. Meaning, Leia. No! I mean, just look at this. I mean, this looks like a Star Wars movie. I think they just decided they wanted to spend tons of money on, like, costumes and practical effects. And just make the CGI, like, Guardians, like, super fun and colorful. I actually thought he was going to die. I thought they were going to kill him. I mean, it's, it's heroic either way, but that would have been a really heroic sacrifice. God. I mean, you know, the round blades that Nakia has are sort of like Scarlet's batons. Again, the compact fighting style. So yeah, I don't know if I finished my thought earlier. You know, I... <laughs> I... It, it was just too weird that it was like all the guys against all the girls, not even gender, but that only the guys would be in that part of the guard. Ah, who knows? Comic book, <laughs> African traditions. Uh, now the slaughter is on. But what I was going to say, as my cat almost turned off my television, 
is um, this fight here. You know, Michael B. picks up, uh, Killmonger picks up very quickly sort of what's happening with the uh, uh, magnetic levitation's effect on the suit. But he either doesn't put together what he should do with that information. He's too angry. He thinks he can win it another way. But as soon as Shuri makes that move without having to say anything, T'Challa is already thinking about how to make that work to neutralize him because he's where i mean this this was great kilbuggers is literally wearing the other amazing suit that sherry designed so it's every bit the equal of the suit of t'challa comparative powers it's like baseball stats guys and just visually the fact that you have both this ground and air battle on this, you know, gorgeous Savannah uh, terrain contrasted to the, you know, hyper, hyper real, semi-futuristic, you know, semi-African underground scenario where the Panthers are going at it. And this movie was so good, it didn't need an amazing ending to save it, but I will say the final couple exchanges between T'Challa and Killmonger are so powerful and affecting to me that that alone elevated the entire movie. And so on the second rewatch, it, it it's so much deeper than it seems. Yeah, you do this is coming, but it's cute. Looks good. I've seen rhinos in real life. They're actually not that wrinkly. They're pretty smooth. With some, you know, fat. Fat rolls. They, I mean, like, again, they had to sell both Black Panther's origin story, Wakanda's origin story, its place in the universe... You know, you just have to accept some of these these traditions. You know, it is a different culture. And look, the bottom line is, for all of the, you know, uh, irrational negativity because of the excessive role of women in The Last Jedi by who I consider idiots, but I see what they're saying, I guess. No one really complained here because the characters were all amazing and you had T'Challa. It was sort of what I guess the old school Luke Skywalker people wanted Luke to be. But he goes through his journey. I'm not really convinced though. I actually think the brilliance of this movie is that he... The only thing he miscalculates is that he would lose, essentially, in their first fight. What happens right here, as sad as he is, this is what he wanted to do in that first fight. And he would have been just as sad because it's his cousin. They haven't really interacted since then, right? That's the whole point. This makes me cry. Michael B. makes me cry, and, and this is why I think he's the best comic book villain ever, because it's never the villain that makes me cry. Look at him. Look at these two. They're just acting the shit out of life. Look at these camera angles. Right up on the face, finally. 
kid from Oakland that's coming straight from Kugler. God bless him. I mean, the writing for T'Challa in this whole thing is impeccable, which is don't say anything. Just take it in. And show emotion without over-emoting. I mean, God, you, if you, have, you really should see him in, in Marshall because he, he's very cocky and very funny. And this scene, too. I mean, that's what I'm saying. The last couple scenes with these guys, it just... It it feels like the end of Creed. It feels like where you need it to end up. You just wish these two had more time on screen together. Look at them. All right. This is both different and similar to Zemo. Although, again, I think much wiser T'Challa in this. I was going to try and take this guy down early on. I don't really think he eats humble pie in the way we expect our, our young superheroes and their origins to. Mm. Oh my god, he's talking about the slave trade. Oh no. We know Sherry could have probably healed him. I mean, you know, the fact that in this moment of death he would have this giant enlightenment realization is totally believable to me because of the writing and the performance. And, I mean, <sighs> Baba Mal. I, I mean, honestly, guys, it's been an amazing journey with this podcast. And again, this is one of the things that got me into nerd podcasting was the potential of what we are watching right this minute. Two Academy Award level young actors playing across from each other in a Black Panther movie of an Afrofuturist utopia that is believable, that is fully African. Oh man, he's got the Sierra Leone colors on. I've got like a scarf very similar to that trim. And now they are confident, and they deserve to be. Look, the big mistake was he didn't listen to Nakia, who had probably been saying this to him for a while. And so if they had already been reaching out to the world, it would have made Killmonger's argument somewhat neutralized. And that's what he's saying right here. Yep. He's talking about from the beginning. This is the most uncringeworthy kiss coming up here. It's so believable, these two. I wouldn't be shocked if they end up together. Look at this. Oh. Yep. I hate to say it. I love Star Wars. It's a direct parallel to Rose and Finn. <laughs> and then you make it the, the joke. And she comes to him. Stay. Yeah. I'm not going to say he's earned it because she has the right to make any choice she wants, but if anyone's earned it, he's earned it, assuming she cared for him, which of course she does, and they kiss again. Oh, It's Disney, guys. Come on. We, I am all about good, understated romance, as you guys know. There it is. 
In the perfect end, oh, there are some post-credits. Back to where it all started. Real hoop. Paved parking lot. I mean, you know, again, if, if I was drafting, like in a baseball draft, in the first round for director that was good at build my franchise around, my sports franchise around, it would easily be Ryan Coogler. And what's crazy is, despite the fact that I had major problems with Fruitvale Station, I could sense it even then. But within 10 minutes of Creed, literally within two minutes of Creed, it was my commentary. It's like, he's a master filmmaker. And I think he was a little reserved and conservative in this one. I don't think they had more reins on him, because they let Taika Waititi do whatever he wanted in Thor Ragnarok. I think he wanted to tell... An old-fashioned story, but with, you know, African men and women as, as the heroes. It's, it's a beautiful thing. There's a difference between making $650 million domestically and that money mostly people coming out blown away by, by this, this entire thing. It's not that there was, like, people were definitely laughing at Sherry and some of the jokes. People were cheering at a couple parts, but mostly people were in stunned disbelief. Thing is, Africa had, the you know, control over their own resources and had decent leaders. It wouldn't be too too far off from this, you know? I, I truly believe 21st century is Africa century. It's just going to take a while. But they have the desire. Who are you? Look at that smile. Oh, man. Yeah, that's the... Awesome. Great movie. Hope you guys enjoyed that commentary. It's a bit more low-key. And, yeah, I usually just blab the whole time. So that's about the highest compliment I could give to the movie. Um, There is a post credit sequence in which he gives a speech at the UN... But I think you guys should just watch it, because while it is overtly political, it's very inclusive in all the right ways, and uh, it represents the best of what Black Panther and humanity can be. So thank you for joining me, Um, and I'm sure you'll be hearing from me soon. So for now, the bizzle is out.